From realghoststoriesonline.com, this is Real Ghost Stories Online, the podcast. It's group therapy for the paranormally affected. That's exactly what we do here every single night at Real Ghost Stories Online. We thank you for joining us. We thank you for subscribing to the show, whatever platform it may be. iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, pressing the subscribe button helps us out greatly. And it helps you out greatly, too, because you have to search for the show every time you want to hear a good ghost story. This gets delivered right to you. So please do press that subscribe button if you enjoy our program. Also become an EPP. That's like the uh, the VIP club of our show, if you will. Uh, a extra podcast person is what EPP stands for. Those folks get a bonus episode of our show every single week, delivered directly to them, exclusively for them, uh, for helping uh, support the show. And they also get a whole bunch of extra other stuff uh, as we created here. That's uh, just for. Uh, a big thank you for helping support Real Ghost Stories Online. And to become an EPP, you go to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. You click the Become an EPP button, and uh, you subscribe via the PayPal button. It's your choice. Five bucks, ten bucks, fifteen bucks a month. Completely up to you. Whatever you feel you can contribute to help support our show and us giving you a free show every day of the week. Uh, we give you even more than that, even extra episodes every single week. So please do that. If you can afford five bucks a month, uh, that would be wonderful. That's all we ask. But it's, it's up to you what you want to contribute. And then you get the uh, the extras there. So thanks in advance for helping us out there. Uh, on today's episode, we got some good stuff. I believe our friend, the demonologist, will be calling in. Oh, good. Joe? Joe from Florida get some insight from him and of course your letters your stories your calls the phone number 855-853-4802 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost stories you would absolutely love to hear them calling in kind of the fast pass for getting on the show with your real ghost stories by the way uh, because letters take a little bit longer for us to get to because we got a big backlog of them but you're more than welcome to choose whatever way you want to to uh, to get to us and to get your story shared. Let's go to one of those calls at 855-853-4802. Hi, this is Ross. Um, so I wanted to call in to talk a little bit about um, the uh, sleep paralysis issue that uh, seems to plague so many folks. Um, I, too, had that when I was a lot younger, and I have some interesting stories that surround it. But um, what I really wanted to get across was that I found a way to get um, out of it, right, to actually come out of sleep paralysis. Um, I'm by no means a doctor, so I don't know the physiological or, or other reasons why this would uh, why this would work, but what I found was that um, whenever I would try to force myself out of it, um, you know, just uh, on a surface level, uh, that's when I really got scared because uh, I, I just, I couldn't do it, right? I couldn't come out of it, which I'm sure a lot of other people feel. You, know, you try to scream, you can't scream, you try to do whatever, you just can't do it. What I found was that the only way to come out of it was to completely relax, just to relax and um, try to let go of, you know, the fear and the anxiety and any, anything that really keeps you tensed up, right, physiologically, and then just give it one burst of energy, and then, uh, and then you wake up. Uh, that worked for me time after time once I discovered it. Now, of course, after that, trying to go back to sleep was, uh, you know, uh, another issue, right? Um, but... Um, Having uh, stayed at home with uh, parents who work nights and having that happen to me as a kid, um, I can certainly empathize with other people who have had it. So, you know, maybe this is more for <clears throat> people who have children because um, it seems to happen a lot for people who are kids. So hopefully this will help somebody, you know, um, or, or their kids uh, to, uh, to be able to pull themselves out of it. 
But um, you know, uh, for those out for those out there who do suffer from it, uh, there is a way to pull yourself out of it. Um, and once you, you know, once you figure it out, um, it's uh, it's much easier. All right, um, great show. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for the insight. That's uh, that's really interesting. Uh, did you ever, when you were a kid, when you were having a nightmare, uh-huh. were you aware it was a nightmare? Were you aware that it was of a, a dream of some sort? No, because when I dream, it's always very vivid. It's in color, just as real as you and I are sitting here. Sure. So, but I never figure out that I'm dreaming when I'm dreaming. Okay. So there's been lots of times where I wake up like, oh, thank God that was just a dream because I don't really, really want to have done what I did in my dream. So, because I remember, I mean, my dreams were very vivid too, but I, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, uh, I could tell when I was. Having a nightmare. In, in I'd say, 80% of my dreams, I could tell. I don't know why, but I could tell. Okay. Um, and once I, I had established that, that I was, in fact, having a nightmare, um, I did have a way of getting out of the dream if I wanted to, to leave that dream. And it was very simple. And I don't know if this would work with sleep paralysis or not, but it's almost kind of like what he described there. Um, I guess he described it as having a, a burst of energy. Um what I would do um, to get out of the nightmare dreams that I would have when I was a kid was it was just shut your eyes for a second, kind of get calm in the middle of whatever's going on, and then just open your eyes. And that would wake me up because my eyes then would physically open up in reality. Okay. Dream over. So, I mean, it, it's, it's kind of almost sounds kind of like what he suggests doing. It does. With the energy. And I'm wondering if that works with the sleep paralysis. I never thought of associating that with the sleep paralysis situations, um, you know, as a recommended course of action, if you will. But I I wonder if if that could be uh, be applicable uh, to that situation. I would think very possibly. Uh, We have some folks I know who do have this happen fairly frequently. So, well, I have a question. I know for somebody who's never had it, um, I'm sure the first time I have it, I would be terrified. Sure. So you got to like calm down, think of what's going on, recognize it, and then go through the steps. Sure. So my question is, uh, it sounds like he've ha- he's had quite a few episodes of that. Is Does it become less scary? And do you get to where you realize that's what's going on in order to help yourself relax? I could be completely wrong, but I, I would think, you know, it would. I would think that you would... You know, just kind of get, you know, like anything, you know, the more you do it, the more, right? you know, familiar you, you would be with the situation. Like, okay, this is this again. I would think it would still be a bit scary, you know, but I, the more you've experienced, I think the more in control you can be of over the, over the situation, as long as you recognize what it is. Sure. That's my guess. That makes sense to me. I just didn't know if um, the, the fear is something that goes along with it. You know, I mean, I, I suppose it could go into the... You know, everybody's different on it. You know, if it goes into, like, panic attack mode or something, you know, that's a little different where you're kind of in fight-or-flight mode no matter how many times you've been in that situation. You have, you know, very narrow vision on how to escape that. Right. You know, but, I mean, with, with training, you know, some there's ways of coping with that, too. But um, I don't know. Well, it's worth a try for those 
people that are listening that deal with sleep paralysis yeah, fairly definitely. regularly. Thanks for calling in and sharing that insight. We uh, really do appreciate that. That's what our community is all about. It is. It, it's, you know, sharing these things, whether it be how to escape sleep paralysis uh, or, you know, just... Uh, <laughs> How to deal with demons infesting your home, which, you know, I, and it sounds kind of silly, but really it's some of the things we talk about on this show. It is. So, I mean, we, you know, it's, it's what's kind of cool about is we, these are things that are not necessarily, you know, what you're going to be discussing with the bartender at Applebee's, um, but you can discuss it with us and with our community and you can get serious uh, insight and, and some feedback as to how to handle some of these situations uh, like only the real ghost stories online community could give you and that's right. that's what's cool about this so if you do have a real ghost story or you'd like to to weigh in i should say that more often um because calling in is not just about sharing a ghost story it's about weighing in on on past stories giving some insight giving some advice to uh to other folks who do listen to the show uh, you're, of course, more than welcome to do just that. 855-853-4802 is a phone number to do just that. Let's go to another call. Hi. Hi, uh, this is Elizabeth. I've called before. I am the nurse with the haunted Alzheimer's unit. Um, I'm calling again just, I don't know, just to... So... Uh, okay, so things have been happening. I just, if anything, just a document it. I don't care if this ever gets read or if this ever gets played or if no one ever listens to it. I just, I, I'm going crazy. Uh, yesterday, while I was at work, and it, it seems to happen around this time, I was in a, I was in the nurse's office. In the nurse's office, we have cameras. We have the monitors, uh, you know, throughout the unit. Um, yesterday there was dark shadows in the kitchen. Uh, I, I can chalk it up to it being um, maybe lights. I don't. I don't know. I, I just. I felt um, like maybe somebody was in the kitchen. I came in. There was nothing. Um, yesterday, another thing happened. I was in the bathroom. I'm washing my hands, and I hear two knocks. Just two like. I don't know if you heard that, but it was just really quick. Um, okay, so there was that. Um, today, about um, maybe 20 minutes ago, I'm sorry if I sound just uh, not crazy. I was uh, charting on the patients, and I heard, I heard, I know I heard my name. I heard it as clear as day. It sounded like it was maybe like two feet behind me. It just said Elizabeth. Um, I turned around. I've never jumped out of a chair so fast. Um, I'm terrified. I, you, you'll probably never get uh, any more stories from me because I am going to management in the morning and I'm going to transfer units. I can't do this. This is, you know, at first it wasn't scary. It's getting... Uh, it's getting terrifying. Um, I don't know if maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I've I've verbally. Uh, I mean, I'm you know, I've acknowledged it uh, out loud, not verbally, but out loud. I've I've actually acknowledged that you know something's been going on, and I don't know if it's toying with me now because I did that, or again if it's in my head. I don't know. I've always listened to. Uh, 
these type of podcasts. I've always listened, you know, this is something that I've done my entire life. So it's not like, you know, I'm, I'm listening to it. So I'm, I'm thinking these things. Up. There's no way I, I, I just thought what happened uh, to me. Um, clear as day, Elizabeth. And it just, I don't, I don't know what to do. Uh, so I'm going to sit here and talk to a recording because it feels better than sitting in silence, I suppose, and nobody's awake at four something in the morning, so here I am. Um, Another thing that I'm going to just, I'm going to try to talk myself down, uh, I suffer from night terrors, and my entire life I've uh, suffered from uh, sleep paralysis. I don't know if there's levels of it, but if there is, it's severe. I get auditory, visual, hallucinations. Um, I don't know if, if maybe that has... Something maybe it was just in my head. I don't. I don't know what's going on. Um, it's just I am terrified right now. I would love to leave. If I could walk out right now, I would. Um, I'm kind of got myself camped out here in the brightest room on the unit with all the lights on, and I'm afraid to go out. I have to because there are people counting on me, but it is getting pretty terrifying. I am definitely transferring, so this will probably be your last, um, my last recording to you guys, or or whatever it's called, I'm sorry. Uh, So, these things, I don't know what else to do. I know you guys can't help me with it. I just, if anything, I'm just going to talk to myself and talk to myself out of being crazy. Um, so I don't know. I have a hard time believing in, I don't believe in human ghosts, if that makes sense, um, because then that contradicts what I believe it happens to us when we die. But this is an amazing universe. Uh, so it could be anything. And that's what scares me more than it being uh human ghost haunting me. I feel like, you know, it could be something that we just we're not on a dimension to understand or we can't once in a while we can sense it. I don't know what these things are, but I don't think there's human ghosts. I think there's something out there. I just which doesn't help me right now when I'm trying to calm myself down anyways. Um thanks for listening. Like I said, this is probably going to be my last um recording as far as this unit goes. I am definitely transferring. I can't handle this. I'm talking crazy right now, and I'm about to lose it. Um, So thanks for listening, and um, wish me luck, I suppose. Elizabeth, I'm glad you called. I know that you're probably going to hear this a couple days after you initially called, but... um, you know, I don't think you're crazy. I think there is something probably going on. But either way, you shouldn't feel crazy. If you don't feel safe there, you should definitely transfer. Um, whether or not it's something demonic or just something toying with you, I don't know. Um, we've had a couple friends of the show call in. Um, and they say sometimes that if you envision yourself... And like a bright white light surrounding you that sometimes that can help ward those things off if you feel like they're attacking you 
it may help to calm you down some. Because, um, you know, I, I hope that you get transferred pretty quick. It doesn't, I don't know how long your process takes. Um, so, you know, you might try that. And know that we are always here. We're happy to take your calls. And do call us back and let us know if you do get to transfer and if things calm down. Because, you know, you can't leave us hanging here with that phone call. And and we could tell how upset you were. And then for us to not hear that you're doing better, that just, you know, we we just can't can't do that. You got to let us know if you're doing better. Yeah, I mean, especially if things uh, calm down, uh, we don't need a necessarily another ghost story from you if you don't, hopefully you don't have more, but uh, hopefully just, just give us an update as to what, uh, what happens there. Um, it's interesting, it's, you know, that we, we've had some calls in the past where it was like uh, yesterday or a couple days ago, something weird happened. Um, I said very early on in doing this show, Call us if you're in the middle of something going on. Mm-hmm. I think this is the closest we've gotten there of someone calling us in the middle of something going on. A call at 4 a.m. hiding out in the, like the nurse's ward as the dark shadows go around the hospital. I think this goes as the call that's you can still hear the, the fear in their voice. Oh, very the much most. so. Yeah. I think that it's up there, if not the most afraid call we've had. Yeah, um... I, I, you know, I, I, you know, by the time she hears this, you know, I, I really hope, uh, you know, you're, you're able to transfer out for your own well-being. Um, but there's obviously there's something strange going on there. And I just hope that the powers that be that she does bring this up to are receptive to that allegation, uh, you know, if you will, of weird things going on and don't just brush it off and then oh, who's next, you know, to deal with. Uh, the whatever it is going around there, because that's just going to be a revolving door. Uh, there's only people are not going to sit there and and you know just continue to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like the haunted hotel rooms where people go to the hotel and they're like, oh, how did you get that? You know, you said it gave me a story the other day. Yeah, you know? I you know? did. And uh, you know, and they they continually just never stay in their room because of what's going on. That's what's going to happen with this position if they don't take some action or, or I don't know what the action is but you know something I'd be willing to bet when she goes to management though that she won't be the first with these allegations yeah you're, you're probably right it you know she could just be the latest in the revolving door of being in that area yeah you know where it just kind of keeps going then we'll get the next call from the next person <laughs> do you think she's more prone to these things because she experiences the sleep paralysis phenomenon and and stuff like that yeah i, I wouldn't say it's impossible okay I, I i don't know you know uh i don't know that folks who are um who experience the sleep paralysis are the ones who are more prone to these sort of things happening or i mean i'm sure in some cases it is in some cases it's not i really don't know I, I'm just still in the camp that sleep paralysis is paranormal. Sure. So that's why I wondered if maybe there could be a correlation because she said she's had experiences yeah. with that. Yeah. Either way, Elizabeth, please just let us know, even if it's an email, just saying, all good, just yep. just to let us know. And then pick up a, a jar of demon away. Yeah, right. Just so you have it on you and wherever you get transferred to. Uh, 855-853-4. You got to laugh about some of this stuff because otherwise it's just too darn dark. You know, uh, 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802 with your real ghost story. Hi. Hello, my favorite, uh, 
radio announcer, uh, Tony and Jay Bruce. This is Joe uh, from Clearwater, Florida. Your email is as always. I'm at your assistant. If you guys need me 24/7, um, to answer the best way for the nurse um, with the apparitions, if it's getting aggressive with her and she's feeling at ease and it's starting to make her nervous, or even the other CNAs in there nervous, then yes, that to me is an aggressive spirit. It could be demonic. Uh, I'd have to know what type of apparition appeared to the woman in the, in the bathroom. And the reason I think the apparitions like to be in the bathroom is because there's a conduit connection with running water. And there could be a connection there also. Um, with the Catholic priest coming in there and maybe doing a blessing, um, I'm pretty sure with the Catholic priest, they, um, they do an exorcism or a blessing in the home. I think they're taught that demons don't exist, not to give it attention. So therefore, they're contradicting themselves when they do a blessing or an exorcism. They're saying that the demon does not exist, but yet they're trying to expel that entity from the environment. So have the nurse, and I give full permission to have a contact with me and my team. I would do all I can to help her put her mind at ease. We do have a technique for cleansing, and it's uh, been pretty successful so far as far as dealing with entities. My feeling on it, in a situation like that, there shouldn't be any type of apparitions or demonic entities or even and human entities, which is demonic, excuse me, or uh, ghosts or, uh, at one time. Also with the Alzheimer's, it could be a regression, uh, and it, it leads to death, unfortunately. But that regression, maybe the soul and the mind are separating, and the spirit can't determine which is reality within the body and which is reality on the other side. So maybe there's a confusion at a point in time. And actually, when they pass away, clarification probably just come into play. So uh, with that type of situation, and any time people die a number of times, yes, can leave a doorway for other entities to walk in because it's like a beacon light. And the, I hate to say the demonic entities are going to be the first one to jump up the bandwagon. As far as construction down the, uh, the room or down the hallway, there could be an aggravation of doing that because of the movement in the walls is also upsetting the patients. So you have a you have a flux of activity in that area that's constant flux and nothing's ever able to settle down or be at peace. But uh, if the nurse is feeling there's something that good, for instance, the flux right on. Uh, have her contact me, Tony, if you can. I've got, got full permission to do so. And Tony, I can find you where you live. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, you guys are fantastic. Um, I hope to talk to you in person or maybe on the phone. That'd be highly honored. All right. Uh, God bless everybody. And I'll call back in. If you guys uh, have anything else you need advice on, I'll do my best. So does Joe have a bad connection or is there something trying to prevent him from giving the message he's trying to give? No, I think it's a bad connection and I hate that because I get so much out of what Joe has to say. I have to say, you know, being a demonologist and ordained minister, if he had a church here in Wichita, I would go every Sunday, every single Sunday. I think uh, something that we should add to the website is... not people's phone numbers. I don't want to put Joe's phone number up there, but uh, but like an email or a contact email uh, information on some of these folks uh, if they want it up there. Um, so, uh, Joe, since you've uh, you've mentioned that several times of wanting to help some folks, I uh, 
Uh, I, I don't know if I have your email or not. Uh, I'll find it. If not, I'll give you a call. And uh, we'll get your uh, your email address uh, up there or something, whatever you prefer for a form of contact, website or something. Um, and then some of these folks who, who do want to contact him uh, can do so. You know, we, we say over and over, we don't listen to the calls as the, until we're doing the show. Yeah. And I just think it's so ironic that she called in and then he called in about her previous call yeah. you know i mean just the timing couldn't have been more perfect yeah because i looked over you're like oh well that's interesting yeah exactly <laughs> like right as we hung up with the other call um yeah it's just it's one of those where you go oh that i think some things happen for a reason sometimes i think so so there you go uh 855-853-4802 if you have a real ghost story you'd like to share with us Again, 855-853-4802. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Um, I am a nurse from Indiana, and I have worked as a hospice nurse for the last uh, almost two years. And I just left a job where we our facility was haunted. And I was going over, my sister told me about these podcasts, and I was, she wanted all the stories so she could call it in. And as I'm going over and giving her these stories, she begged me to read a couple of them myself. Um, she says they sounded better coming from me. So she's talking into this, and I'm going to just share a couple of the stories with you. Um, again, like I said, I, I worked for about um, almost two years. We were um, uh, fifth floor of a hospital, which is the hospice unit. Uh, it had used to, a long time ago, used to be part of an experimental drug unit, and now um, it had two sides. One was our hospice side that had seven rooms for patients. The other side were offices used for that that were locked at night. And, of course, I worked the midnight shift most times. Um, so there would be nobody in those offices at night, and there would be one nurse and one aide. Uh, to take care of our patients that ranged from one to seven patients. Um, we would, um, um, the unit was locked, so the only way in was if security let you in. Um, so it was quiet. We had a nurse's station. We had um, uh, a kitchen area. We had storage areas. And we had another large storage area down the, the empty side of the hall that housed a um refrigerator. It was a room down there that had extra beds and a refrigerator, but um, you only went in there if you had to store your stuff. So one of the stories, we had many occurrences, and my sister is going to call in later with some of the, um, some of the many, many things that happened. But one time um, we were working nights, and I had a patient that was actively passing, so I was in his room quite often, and the adjoining room had been dark most of the night, and in the middle of the night, as I'm leaving the room of my patient, I noticed the light coming in from the empty room, and went in and looked and, and uh, found the TV on. Well, the TV, in order to turn the TV on, was from a remote um, that had been attached to the wall. Um, uh, on the call light button kind of a thing and you had to walk around the bed to turn it on so I the, the TV was fuzzy and didn't think anything of it and thought maybe just I had noticed it previously all night because I was busy with my patients who had been passing and I went and turned off the TV and went out the room and into the hall and went down to the nurse's station and came back about another 15 minutes later to check on my patient and happened to look into the room again and um, 
the TV was on again. And I went, wow, this is kind of strange. So I called my aide down to look at it with me because I was, we've had happenings going on in this unit for quite a while. So we're a little jumpy when things like this happen. So I called her in and I had her stand by the door while I walked into the room to check the TV. And on the TV screen was a um, picture of a crucifix staring down brightly. And I didn't know where this was coming from. And it was just like a live feed. Um, it looked like from a chapel area. Well, we went and into another patient's room closer to the nurse's station and tested the different channels to see if this same image was showing up on other TVs. And sure enough, it had been, um, it was the live feed from our chapel on a lower floor. So I went in, I went back to the room um, where this TV was on and as I had my aide stand by the door, I walked into the room around the side of the bed to turn this TV off again um, for the second time and turn the TV off, made sure it was off, walked out of the room again, and both of us had said that if this um, TV turns back on again, we are out of here, we're leaving our patients and abandoning the floor because this was getting too freaky. Well, the next morning I asked, uh, when I got relieved, I talked to the other nurses and I asked about that room and, and if they remember who had been in it, why that channel, because I don't remember ever seeing a live feed channel and why that channel would have been on in that room. And we come to find out um, through a little bit of investigation that the last woman patient to use that room um, had watched um, the church channel, um, would watch the mass from the third floor, but she had died um, about two or three weeks previous, and that room had not been used since, so um, it was kind of eerie that she came back and she turned on the TV for me so that I could watch this image of Christ shining on the bed, um, so that, was, that really freaked us out. Um, one of the other things is that um, the, this unit had seven rooms, and the last two rooms had very strange uh, feelings come up from them. We, we um, people who were sensitive to that kind of stuff, felt um, a bad presence in both rooms six and seven. Um, we hardly ever used them, but occasionally. But it was my job every night as I came on duty. Um, to check each room and go in and make sure everything was okay. And in room seven, um, I had gone, uh, not suspecting anything, just walked into the room to check it. I walked to the window, and as I walked to the window, I heard a kind of um, gurgling sound, like, Rrr, and um, coming from the corner of the room, and I turned around, hightailed it, and ran out of that room faster than I'd ever run before to the nurse's station to get my aid. And um, I had never heard that kind of a sound uh, coming from an empty room and um, almost tripped over myself running out of there trying to get away from that. Um, with my aid again, we were always a team. I walked back down there and we didn't see anything in the room. The room was dark and uh, nothing, we could find nothing. Um, from then, I would, if I had to, when I came on duty, I would um, check all the rooms while it was still daylight and shut the door and make sure that those doors were shut tight so that nobody would 
Um, I didn't have to go back in there at night anymore. And um, so these kind of things happened, or that room, it happened one more time. Um, about a month or two later, I had to walk in there actually with a patient in the room and um, heard that sound again coming from the same area. And it was just a, a gurgling growl kind of a noise. And um, But I had a patient in there and not sure where, why, or how um, that, who was making that sound. Um, again, we have many other stories. And um, after about six to eight months of this, where it got to the point where no, none of us wanted to go to work, or if we did, I mean, you were just, things were going to happen, and it was scary to go to work anymore. Um, the boss had come in and actually had the stuff happen to her, and so shortly after that, we've got a member of the uh, parish um, the church affiliation came in and blessed every room, every door, every um, every possible spot in that uh, and on on our floor in our facility, and um, blessed them, said a prayer in each room, each and every room, and shortly thereafter. Um, all the strange occurrences stopped um, to the dismay of my sister who loves this kind of stuff and I would have to call into her nightly and give her an update. We even set up recordings. I set up um, um, a televised thing trying to get some kind of action going down this hall that that would make noises where we would hear door slamming and um, and then the, the occurrences stopped for about the last two months of me working there and fortunately I have left that position and now work a full-time day job with hospice also but um, do not have to return to the midnight um, occurrences of um, that hospice facility. Um, again, many other things happened and my sister will be glad to share that with you guys but she just wanted me to share a couple of stories on my own of um, things that had happened. So I look forward to listening to more of the podcasts that are going on because I didn't know they existed. Thank you and have a great evening. Thank you for uh, calling in and uh, sharing your story. See, that's how you do it. You have to wrangle your relatives into listening to the show. Like, no, really, you have to do it. You have to do it and share your stories. So uh, kudos to your sister for uh, making you do that. And I'm glad you uh, are enjoying the show. So what do you think of that? Um, is it safe to say that hospices are a hotbed for paranormal? I guess my prediction was kind of right. Yeah, it sounds like it. On that. And I mean, it makes logical sense, as logical as the subject can get. Um, my question is, what were the other residents thinking about them, you know, taping... <laughs> <laughs> trying to set up recording devices <laughs> for the ghosts. I'm sure the residents didn't know. Didn't know or no. you know, probably. What are you doing with that video camera there at 3 a.m. down? What, what exactly is going on here? <laughs> I doubt they had a clue. Thing is, I'd be all about it if I was in there. I'd be like, that's awesome. I hope we catch something before I die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, no, put the camera at this door. If I'm going, I'm going to try and do something. And I'd be all about it. Yeah, you're going to be the pudding poltergeist. I would be the pudding poltergeist. Ready to go. Yep. Pudding. When you see pudding flying everywhere, that's me. Uh, we got to make a shirt with pudding poltergeist on it. Okay. That would be fun. <laughs> 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call in with your real ghost stories. 
853-4802. We would absolutely love to hear it. That is the fast pass to get your stories on the air calling in. Uh, You, of course, can write in. We encourage that. We love that. Um, We got got, uh, so many letters and so many calls, and the calls um, we get to in the letters. So uh, please do call in if you want to get your story discussed on the air uh, that much sooner. Again, 855-853-4802. Hi. Uh, Hi, my name is Megan. I'm from Toronto, Canada. Um, I've really been enjoying your show, even though I'm usually a seasoned skeptic. But uh, I figured I'd offer a a story of my own about Ouija boards. Um, I'm a little bit nervous. In the the fall of 2000, when I was in high school, uh, a friend of mine passed away from cancer. Um, It was a childhood friend. It was the first time I'd ever had to deal with, uh, with something like that up front and it was it was very traumatic and um a few months later another friend of mine who had also been friends with her uh somehow got her hands on a ouija board and she had uh she had borrowed it from somebody and uh both of us had parents that were very religious so she kind of had to sneak it into the house and we had to sneak into the garage to use it uh and we only had like maybe half an hour before our parents you know, would start wondering what we were doing. Um, and so we tried to contact this friend of ours and it was a very short conversation and it seemed like we were talking to her. We asked her, you know, we really just had a chance to ask, you know, how are you doing? How are things, you know, are you at peace, etc. And uh, afterwards, my other friend just kind of walked away from it without, like, I don't, I don't know that she really that it really weighed on her mind at all but I was like 17 at the time and I was like just blown away that I was able to have this conversation and so I became kind of fixated on it um and then a few months later I I found a Ouija board in a secondhand store and so I smuggled it home because if my mother had known that I was bringing it into the house she would have been very upset uh she thought that they were bad luck um which is understandable looking back. And so there was a period of a few months where I just became obsessed with this thing. I, w- I would say more like addicted. Um, and I, at first I thought I was talking to my friend and I just became intensely fixated on using this thing every night. And then this other voice started to come in. Um, this this uh, being, I don't know if it was a ghost, he identified himself as Hal and he would just say just really horrible, awful things to me all the time. And I don't know why I kept using it, even though I was getting this voice. And I, I didn't realize how far it had gone until one night he told me that um, another friend of mine was going to be murdered, and that she was going to be stabbed. And I just uh, broke down into hysterics. I, uh, I completely flipped out. I called my friend. She was fine. There was no, there was nothing going on at all. Nothing that he predicted came true. And I just like, and she thought I had completely lost my mind when I told her this. And this was an incident that, um, for many years, I had put out of my mind because after that, I had kind of, I stopped. I didn't, I didn't use it as much. I just kind of shoved it under my bed and left it there. And then I went away to college. And then years later, I was uh, telling this story to my therapist because I felt like looking back, like it, like there must be something wrong with me <laughs> that uh, I would, you know, that something like that would happen. And 
without skipping a beat, he said, you couldn't prevent your friend from dying from cancer. So you were playing out a situation in which you could prevent somebody else from dying. And I just, I, my jaw dropped. I was awestruck. Like I, I had never even thought of that before. And it was interesting because he wasn't judgmental about it. He didn't ask me whether or not I believed in ghosts. Um, and like, I, I don't know if it was a ghost or not that I was talking to. I don't know if it was my dead friend that I was honestly talking to. I don't think it was. Um, and, but I will say that whether or not you believe that Ouija boards can attract evil spirits or demons or what have you, people who are grieving should never, ever touch a Ouija board. It is, I think it's just intense, it's, it's just so unhealthy. It's such an unhealthy thing for them to get their hands on when they're trying to grieve. And uh, I remember you guys talking about whether or not somebody should tell their, uh, their therapist that, you know, that they're worried about these sorts of things. And depending on the therapist, that may or may not be a good idea, but what they, it, it, it might be important for them to know your perceptions, uh, depending on the situation. Because I think he, my therapist felt like that was useful information to him, and he didn't bother with whether or not he agreed with me. That didn't even come into the conversation. But anyways, I just thought I would tell you guys that story. It was, you know, a very emotional occurrence for me. I would never, ever, I just, I've stayed away from Ouija boards pretty much the rest of my life. After that, I think they're just, they're a bad deal. <laughs> um... And, you know, I, even though I'm a seasoned skeptic, I do think there's a lot of unexplainable things out there, which is why I enjoy your show so much. So, anyways, um, thank you for letting me tell my story. Bye. And thank you for your call. And, um, you know, I agree with what she had to say about telling your therapist your paranormal experiences. You know, I would say that a good therapist will listen and won't judge because that's why they're there mm -hmm. and um, especially if you're troubled by what's going on you know they sure. might be able to figure out the root cause as to you know like we've talked about before why you, you are being haunted because you know you might be feeling a little down or, or depressed or even anxious and kind of attracting that so you know I I think it's worth the chance you know I mean are you really worried about whether or not your therapist is going to think you're crazy? I mean, isn't that kind of the point of therapy? Well, I, I'm wondering, um, would a therapist in any case ever actually accept that there is paranormal things going on with someone? Or do they always have to look at it from a, you know, a traditional scientific medical standpoint? I think they first and foremost have to look at it from a traditional scientific mm -hmm. medical standpoint because there could be, you know... There could be plenty of things going on in someone's mind. I mean, that's, right. and that's good. That should be ruled out before we jump into, there's demons in my house. Right. We should make sure there's not demons in your mind, essentially, and for lack of a better term. But, like, you remember that case we talked about in Gary, Indiana, of the kids that were being possessed and there were all kinds of officials you know nurses and oh yeah where they were like seeing the the children levitate and, and yeah and police and um child you know caseworkers that were all witness 
Yeah. You know, that would be a whole different thing. I think first and foremost, they want to rule out something going on inside your mind that is either causing you to hallucinate or, you know, other medically explained things. And of course, you know, if it's a true haunting, they're going to get through that pretty fast and then move on to the other things. So I think the more documented the case, obviously everybody's not going to have all those kinds of people there to verify their case. Sure. But, you know, I think it's worth a shot to go ahead and just spill because you're not going to get you're not going to get help unless you are completely 100% honest. And if they're not, I guess, therapist enough to, you know, to handle what you're going to throw at them, they shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Okay, I'm going to throw this out there. Um, it's a Simon America from America's Funniest. Remember Simon America and America's Funniest Home Videos where they would uh, re- ask the, the listeners or the viewers to go do something? It's a Simon America. Remember that, that saying? Mm, no. Our listeners are all over the world, so I can't really say Simon America. Here's what I want to ask. Okay. Um, and this is... I guess my assignments to our listeners or to very specific ones, if we have any out there, um, that are in the field of psychology or a therapist or someone who's in that, you know, a licensed therapist, a licensed psychologist or uh, counselor, whatever, somebody in that general field um, that listens to the show. I want to ask, have you ever had someone come to you with these things and how did you handle it? And, And in specific cases where... It really was unexplained where you really felt or knew that this wasn't something in their mind. And I, I know and I, you, I think that can be shared without you can do that without saying the names of people and, and all that. It's just more of a case type study. Correct. Can you can you share that? I really I mean, I'm not sure that they can share specifics. I mean, it, yeah. it can be somewhat general. I mean, it's kind of like saying when someone had cancer, here's what happened. Um. I don't know if they can share if they just said I had a case once and this is the yeah uh, the patient. That's what I'm looking for. Just generalities. I'm not looking for super. Sure. Uh, you know, I'm looking for extreme generalities. But overall, you know, how was that handled? I don't know if they can or not. But if they if they can, that would be great if they can weigh in. Yeah, I would just love just to hear Wayne of how that was handled. You don't have to be very specific on the case. I mean, you really don't. I mean, to answer that question, just say. I was with, I had a patient once who did have things that I couldn't explain, and here's how I handled it. And I'd love to hear that. That's all I want. We don't want to narrow anything down to specific people, but I'd be very curious. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that would be, that'd be interesting. Uh, so there you go. Assignment Universe. Uh, please, uh, please weigh in on that. Give us a call at uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. And, uh, and give us some insight into that. That's really... Uh, it's interesting. Let's go to another caller. Hi, you're at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. So, um, my name's Amanda, and I'm a newish listener to your show. I subscribe um, to a podcast. Um, and I wanted to call in and tell a story. I have a, a lot of them. I lived in a very haunted house, a house that was just sort of universally accepted by everyone in our lives to be very haunted. Even the skeptics, would, somebody would stay the night and leave the next day saying, yes, that's haunted, so... I have a lot of stories, but um, I have one in particular that's super creepy because it happened to me and I don't remember it, but my parents remembered it and would tell it later. And according to them, it was when all of the supernatural stuff started happening in the house. Um, 
like I said, we lived there for eight years. And no, it was actually nine years, but it didn't start until a year in. I was seven years old, and it was the end of summer, right before second grade. And according to my parents, I was playing hide-and-seek with one or two of the other kids from the neighborhood. And I was hiding in this closet that I had in my room. My room was really weird. It was, you would go upstairs and it was just one room. The the stairs just opened into a room and there was no door or anything. And it was a U-shaped room and that was my bedroom. And on one of the walls, there was a built-in big closet and then a chest of drawers, you know. And then above the drawers, there was this mini closet, almost like for baby clothes or something. And I was hiding in that, playing hide-and-seek. And I could, you know, I could barely fit in there. I had to scrunch up, but I fit in it. And I don't remember, I remember hiding in there on other occasions. I don't remember this, but according to my parents, everything's all quiet, the kids are playing hide-and-seek, and suddenly I start screaming hysterically. And I was not the kind of kid that would scream randomly, you know? I was a very quiet child. But my parents come running up the stairs just in time to see me come tumbling out of that little cabinet-sized closet in hysterics. And um, they said that they sent the other kids home thinking maybe they had done something to me, upset me or scared me, but all they could ever get out of me was that something else was in the closet with me. And I, they said that I was so hysterical that they just put me to bed. And the next morning, I acted like it never happened. And they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want to bring up whatever it was that had freaked me out. So I didn't hear the story until years later. However, even though I don't remember that incident, I remember the aftermath of it because, like I said, it was one of the very last days of summer right before I started school. Well, second grade, it was like a flip, like a switch had been flipped. And I suddenly became absolutely terrified to go to sleep at night. I went from being totally fine in my room, in that upstairs room, feeling so comfortable and actually really loving that room, to being terrified to go to sleep at night. I would turn off the light because we only had, there was only one light in the room. It looked like something that had been converted for maybe a gas lamp. Um, and it was all the way across the room from my bed. So I would turn it off and I would run to my bed as fast as I could, dive under the covers and hide curl up with my eyes squeezed shut and the covers over my head, just cold and sick with terror. And I, I, was, I remember being absolutely certain that if I looked out from under the covers, I would see something standing at the foot of my bed. I don't know what, you know, I was very young, but I just remember that certainty that there was something there. And it eventually dissipated. It took months of me being terrified every night to eventually kind of get over it and be okay to go to bed at night and not be terrified and have to run to the bed every whenever I turned off the light. But um, it was just really weird. And, and I never connected the two until years later when I was like, you know, old, much older and was able to handle the story that my parents recounted the story of me, you know, going into hysterics in that closet and saying that something had been in there with me. Um, so yeah, it, it, there was about eight years of activity, um, and I, I think I'll save other stories for a different call because I could really talk for hours about it. But yeah, so um, thanks for the awesome show. It's a lot of fun to listen to at work, and if you like the story, I'll call back with more. Thanks. Bye. I like the story. Do you like the story? I like the story. Okay, call back with more. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I can tell, I think we're just at the very beginning of that story. I think so. Where there's something, I mean, I could just see that kind of being the, uh, the beginning of, of a movie, you know, where there's something, the girl's in the closet screaming. It starts out, you know, really happy, where he's having like a pizza party or something downstairs, and it, fun music's playing, and everybody's, it's like kind of a retro scene, and they're like, oh, let's, I love those days. And then all of a sudden, ah! camera pans up the stairs, closet door flies open, and there she is screaming, something's in the closet with me. Bam, creepy, uh, you know, logo goes on screen. And then your movie begins. Okay. Fade to black, they're in the psychiatrist's office. <laughs> and then it starts to slowly reescalate, and then the rest of her story happens, which I'd love to hear. Yeah, I want to hear the rest of her story. I don't know about your movie version that you just told us about. That's how it would happen in the movie. Is that okay? It's exactly how it would happen in the movie. It's kind of, uh, The Conjuring was kind of like that. Yeah. It was very happy at the beginning. There was that fun music playing. Well, there was even a yeah. scene where they were playing hide and seek. Yeah, that, I think that was kind of... That was, that was of, in their commercial. That was, yeah. So you're totally posing off of that. Totally. I mean, well, everything's... Every idea is stolen. Okay. So, I mean, I just think it would work out really well. Just making sure everybody knows that. When the movie version of your story comes out, that's how it's going to go. Okay. Okay? I just want to say it now. It's copywritten because we said it on the show. So, when somebody steals that... Because <laughs> I stole from someone else. Oh. But I said it for this story. So I just, it's out there now. Uh, 855-853-4802. What? Nothing. I'm I... coming up with genius ideas. This is, this is genius radio. Okay. This is, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the crazy thing that, uh, uh, oh, what's the, the horrible, very pompous thing that, uh, the drug addict, uh, uh, Rush Limbaugh says. Oh, Excellence in Broadcasting Network, EIB Radio Network, which is to me sounds insane. <laughs> Anyhow, um, you know, we don't do that. I just thought it was funny. Uh, let's go to, uh, I think we can probably fit one more call in here before we wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. Again, the phone number, 855 uh, 855-853-4802. 855-853-4802. I just need to find a uh, semi-short call to fit into the rest of the show. And I think this one will work. Hello, you are on Real Ghost Stories Online. Let's hear your story. Hey, Tony and Jenny. It is Selena calling again from Ontario, Canada. And I want to tell you guys a bit of another chapter of when I lived in that house where Mary Agnes Nellis was. So as I mentioned before, eventually she kind of faded out as I got older, more to like the puberty kind of age. And something else kind of took form. I started being a teenager, (laughs) which meant I was moody, but it was in a more extreme way than other teenagers. And it was strange. There wasn't any mental illness in my family, but I became very... I don't even know that word, where you don't want to leave your house, kind of like agoraphobic. I wasn't going to my high school more than two times a week, even though I had good friends and, and, and high school was fun for me. And every time when I came home, I just felt compelled to spend a lot of time in my room. 
and I'd come home and, and the strangest part was this reoccurring nightmare where I loved spending time in my room but I was afraid to go to bed every night because every single night I would have the exact same dream. All night it would just be me laying there with this black shadow type thing at the end of my bed. And day in and day out I got more and more upset and more and more depressed. And, and the weird thing was, was that any time I left the house like got up and got actually got my ass out of the house and went out and did things, I felt completely fine. But it seemed like the weekends when I didn't go out and I spent a lot of time in my room, I just got deeper and deeper into this this sadness and, and having these really irrational thoughts, things that I would think back to, like when I went out with a family for the weekend, I'd think back and I'd be like, why was I thinking that? That's not me to think that way. So eventually... Um, I had decided, unfortunately, that this world wasn't the place for me, and at 15 years old, had decided to take my own life. And I, it was honestly on a Sunday night after I had come home from school on the Friday, the entire weekend in my room, and I just got more and more blocked out. And fortunately, obviously, I didn't die. Um, I did end up in the hospital. And the thing was, is I don't really. Remember, I don't know, Jenny being a psychology major probably can understand the feeling of maybe my mind blocking out what I did, but as soon as I was in that hospital, I was looking back and it had only been hours and I was like, oh my goodness, why did I do this? This is not me to do this. How could I do this to my family? And the strangest thing was, I was in there for about a month and none of my psychs, none of anyone, they never put me on any medication, they never anything. They said, we don't understand what's wrong with you. You seem fine now. And of course, at the time, this was before I kind of accepted the things that I could see and go through. Um, I didn't want to bring that up because I was afraid then yes, they would want to keep me in the hospital. But the thing was is I almost moved out of my bedroom and after I came home from college I did and it changed things for me and I wasn't as scared and, and I didn't have those dreams and I spent less time in my room and more time in the basement and I don't know if there was just an energy in the room or if that was just being a teenager but the fact that everyone at the hospital couldn't figure out or thought anything was actually wrong with me and was really blown away I think they did, they thought I did it for attention but it was strange and I just wonder you know the darkness that lies among these houses you never know from the outside looking in but I just thought that'd be a cool story and I was really wondering your thoughts on that um, I also want to say that I ordered the baseball tee from the website and my husband and I's one year wedding anniversary is coming up and we are going to Huntsville, Ontario and staying at a haunted motel and I'm really hoping it gets here in time. So that is awesome and I also want to suggest that you guys should get stickers on there because I love to plaster stickers on random places all over town and that would be great advertisement. <laughs> so um, thank you so much and again I love, love, love this show. Have a great night. I wonder if stickers are an option on uh, on the Cafe Press thing. We should check that out. I bet they are. We're going to get a call from, like, the Ontario Police Department. <laughs> uh, why is your sticker uh, all over the, our vehicles, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but um, we'll put stickers up if, if we, uh, it's one of the options. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll look into that. Thank you for the call, and thank you for the story. We, uh, we do really appreciate you listening. And the enthusiasm and the uh, the patronage of uh, of uh, getting those items from our gift uh, our gift shop all that uh, does go back to help the show uh, quite a bit. So thank you very very much. What she was talking about with um, the mind blocking out those memories it's it's repression. 
Sure. And that's not at all uncommon, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think... I think that there was probably something influencing your thoughts and not so much, you know, your your normal state of mind. I mean, obviously people can get to that point on their own, but what it, it's just very interesting to me that once you were physically removed from that environment for a somewhat, you know, substantial amount of time, you know, just not having to go there each night or... The less time that you spent there, the better you did. That just really, that's kind of interesting. Um, and Be- Because, reg- I mean, I, I would assume that if this was just 100% a psychological condition, you know, a depression condition or something, that would continue on for the most part, regardless of your setting. I mean, for, I mean a setting can help some things, mm-hmm. but it's not like flipping a switch. Right. You know, or anything like that. No, it's not like flipping a, a switch. It's sometimes, um, you know, once you're in the hospital after an event, you can almost feel even more depressed because you're like, oh, crap. Now I'm here. Yeah. And now everybody knows what I've been going through. Sure. And, you know, that can be devastating on its own, especially, you know, if, if you don't have family or friends that are understanding or sympathetic. Mm-hmm. But it, you know, it sounds like... It's not uncommon for people that try to take their lives to obviously have remorse when they're when they are unsuccessful, meaning that they survived. Sure. I mean, you hear all the time about people that have had attempts and the first thought they had after they did it was, I don't want to do this. I don't mm. want to die. Sure. Um, so that's not at all uncommon. But the fact that you were just like back to your old self before you were even released and that they didn't. They didn't start prescribing you medication when you had just had a suicide attempt. That speaks mm-hmm. volumes to me. That's interesting. Because yeah. that's pretty well standard yeah. for the course. It's one of the first things you get. Yeah. Yeah. So, very interesting. Thank you again for the call, 855-853-4802. If you've not done so already, we need you to become an EPP, not an EVP. We don't want you to die and start communicating with, with us through electronic devices. We want you to stay living. And to help support our show is what we would really appreciate. And that's being an EPP. Go to our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Click become an EPP. And EPPs get a bonus episode of the show every single week. We create one and send it exclusively to you. An unpublished episode with all new material just for you as a thank you. And there's going to be all sorts of other extras in there as well, including uh, video pieces, documentary pieces we're working on, a lot of really cool stuff only for EPPs. Uh, it's only five bucks a month, or you can do more if you want. It's up to you what you want to contribute. It's just a donation, five bucks, 10 bucks, or 15 bucks. That's, that's your choice. And uh, you get the extra episode every single week and all the extra goodies and the knowledge. And as I say, the warm, fuzzy feeling, knowing that you are supporting this broadcast every single week. And we, we are putting out a lot of episodes for you, and it's costing a lot of money. So uh, helping us, uh, helping support the show helps keep us on the air. Not to be too all NPR on you, but it does help us quite a bit uh, to keep this, this show moving along and staying with you. So check that out. Real Ghost Stories Online. Dot com. And of course, just at the least, press subscribe, okay, at the very least. So, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>